I wanted you guys to see that that selection. There were several selections for Christmas for Christ, but I wanted you to see that one. I was particularly thrilled to see uh, the creative um, solution to starting a church, planning a church, these two young men, former Bible college students, had. And I don't know if you picked this up, but I know IBC and maybe some other Bible colleges have a sum, summer intern program where young, young men and women who are training for ministry um, can sign up for that program and pastors can take them on for a week or two or a whole summer and they'll work in that local church, you know, trying to get, uh, trying to learn the ropes, so to speak. And so these, these two young men uh, did that in their early days and now they've joined together to start a work in, in this great big city. And you, you saw briefly just a little shot of the inside of that building. It's a storefront building. They were very creative. They used some rough lumber there to build a little backdrop and a little backstage and, and uh, kind of made it rustic and down-home feeling. And, uh, you know, you can, you can just see the creative energy there and the attraction towards people that that, that would bring. We uh, often don't know what we're going to how we're going to start something. I'm really grateful that our Water Valide effort, we are able to start in a building, a nice, it's an older building, but it's nice and it's suitable and there's a good feel there. I'm grateful for that. But there are, are many other places. If I could show you back in the day where this church got its start, in a living room in Lansingburg. And then for that first winter, we met in a pig barn at my, on my uh, in-law's a former farm building that had been used to raise pigs and we cleaned it out and made it into a coffee house and it was as rough as it came. And during that winter, our church saw about eight or 10 people get the Holy Ghost over a six week period in that building. And it was heated by a homemade stove that I made out of a 55 gallon drum. Cut a door in it, cut a ducked in it, ran the duct out, and I would go out on Saturday after I had worked the job and go out in the woods and cut down trees with my bow saw and cut it up and split it for firewood. And that's how we got through that winter. And if you could have seen church back in the day in that building, uh, that was quite a thing. But God blessed and people got the Holy Ghost and it'll happen wherever we go because... The gospel is inevitable. If we'll preach it and be faithful, souls will be won to the Lord. So we thank you. Thank you for giving to Christmas for Christ. All right, we're going to dismiss the Sunday school at this time. Great to have Dean back visiting with us. Praise God. Praise the Lord. When we located, when we relocated here, to Boston Spa, I, I, I had in the back of my mind uh, the idea that because the Navy base is close by, at some point we might see some Navy families coming in to, uh, to Free Spirit Fellowship, transplanted UPC people from other places are looking for a church. And since we've been here, this has happened. And uh, we are really grateful for Tim and Des Smith coming and being a part of Free Spirit Fellowship. And it seems that, you know, they were here in one deployment before, and we said goodbye to them, fell in love with them and said goodbye and let them go. Somebody said, well, if you really love some, something, you have to let it go, and it will come back to you. you know, if it's... <laughs> we never thought that they would actually come back to us a second time, but they did. 
And we're so very happy and grateful, amen, to have had a chance to get to know them and to have consider them part of Free Spirit Fellowship family. And to us, they will always be family, and I'm sure we will always be family to them. And they're going away again. Today is their last service to be with us before they are having to be redeployed on a new assignment. But, you know, the Lord, the Lord controls everything, and they didn't think they'd be coming back. We didn't think they'd be coming back, and who knows what God, what the future holds. But God is in control of everything, and we know that we can trust him for the best of everything. Amen. And uh, I want to say, you know, they have been a great family. They really have modeled Christian behavior, and they, they, are, they, they are the models of, of, a saint, of what a saint should be and do. And I'm grateful for Tim Smith. Uh, during both deployments, he's talked to me about feeling a call to the ministry. And, of course, when you're going to be going away in a year or two, it's really hard to find a church where, you know, you can get established and do what you need to do for training for the ministry. But uh, I really felt this week before, and I agree that he has a call of God on his life for the ministry. And I felt this week before he went away that I should uh, have him come and speak to us t- today, just as I did with Ajibu before we sent him away. So I want us to be the first one to recognize that he has a call of God on his life for the ministry, and I want us to be the first church where he gets to, to preach and be, be used of God in that call. So this morning... Without any further delay, I'm going to introduce to you for the very first time our speaker today, Brother Tim Smith. God bless you. Wow. It's a different animal being up here to uh, not have a microphone to my face to try to sing. Uh, I am scared to death. I told Pastor before service today that uh, I was, like my grandfather used to say, nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. Um, But it is uh, very kind of things the Pastor said, and uh, a, a lot of you have said some various things over the last couple of months as we, uh, my shore duty was being shortened by a few months, and rather than leaving in May, we were going to be leaving in uh, December for uh, another school before I head to my uh, next submarine tour. Uh, God knows, like Pastor said, what His will is for my family, what His will is for me, and it is with a very humble heart I say thank you so very much and that I love all of you. So very, very much. It is my hope today that as I speak that it is the mouth of God speaking and that He has laid something upon my heart that it will uh, benefit somebody here today. Hallelujah. If you would please turn to the book of Psalms, chapter 8, starting in verse 1. While you're turning there, I wanted to kind of surprise uh, my pastor It is a standard naval tradition that when you leave a place or you find somebody that you care very deeply for and that you appreciate, that you present them with a ship's coin. And as uh, I'm not the commanding officer, but he is the commanding officer here at Free Spirit Fellowship, 
And I wanted to extend a right hand to him and offer him this coin from NPTU. And as they say, here we go. You all got it? All right. Psalms 8, starting in verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man? that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. Let's pray. Father, we thank you right now for this opportunity that we have as a body of believers to be in the house today. Hallelujah, Jesus, we offer our praise, our worship to you today, Lord. And we thank you for this word. And we ask that you would help it, Lord, to change us and challenge us that we might leave this place better than when we came in. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Somebody say amen. Clap the hands unto the Lord. Shake somebody's hand as you're seated. Hallelujah, Jesus. As we're coming to our seats, I'd like to challenge you folks today to, uh, to think of something, if you would. Entertain my, my sort of thoughts here. Think of something in the world or something perhaps that somebody has sculpted or painted that's beautiful that you would consider to be awesome or praiseworthy. Picture that for just a second. And uh, for some of us, as you're thinking on that, me, I admit, uh, that place is a warm sunset beach where the sounds of the waves are coming in and the breeze is blowing in the, uh, the palm trees. I know my wife disagrees with me. She loves the sort of the mountain feel and and this uh, the kind of the small town feel. Uh, some others may be thinking about that majestic mountain range as a backdrop to a cool spring-fed lake. I know Pastor and his wife love the mountain ranges here. And uh, thank you for the opportunity that we've had to go camping and hiking through some of that. Some others uh, who might be a little bit more scientifically in mind, such as myself, I admit that I'm probably the biggest nerd in the room, uh, I'm an engineer by trade. I have studied electrical engineering. Uh, I split atoms for a living, so I, I admit that I'm a bit of a nerd. Um, I picture sometimes a, a black dotted sky that I've had the privilege of seeing from the bridge of my submarine at about 3 o'clock in the morning, standing watch when it's just myself and a lookout and a pair of binoculars. And I, I imagine, I just think of the, the majesty of God's creation in all of that. Some might be thinking of the, uh, the underwater colors of, of a reef, if you've ever had the, the opportunity to scuba dive or snorkel or something like that. Um, 
whatever it is, there is no wrong answer to my question or to my request. The thing that I'm trying to drive at is that the most important thing that we remember, like the book of Colossians says, God made it all. He made everything. Everything that we see, everything that has ever been created by man, whether God formed it himself or not, he put it in the mind of a man that he would be able to create that. Hallelujah, and I'm thankful for that. And We go back to the, the beginning in the book of Genesis and we think about God's creation week. In Genesis 1 and 1 it says, And in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And we know the rest of the story. God spoke and light came to be. And He separated it from the darkness. And that was day and night. Hallelujah. He spoke and He formed the firmament and He called it heaven. He gathered the seas together and formed land. And then all manner of plant life. And the sun and the moon and the stars. Everything, the creatures in the sea and in the air. And then he created the beasts of the earth. And in all of that, God wasn't done yet. He wasn't done yet. Now, I want you to think about it. This is a small little village. It's a beautiful little town. But Boston Spa covers 1.6 square miles, according to some websites that I found doing my research. Saratoga County covers 844 square miles. The state of New York. Five, excuse me, 54,556 square miles. The United States, 3.8 million square miles. The earth is estimated to have a surface area of around 196,950,000 square miles. Now, earth is just the third planet in our solar system. The sun from excuse me, from the sun to Pluto is estimated to be somewhere on the vicinity of around seven and a half billion miles long. NASA knows of about 500 various solar systems in just this small little piece of our galaxy called the Milky Way. And it's estimated that there are over 100 billion solar systems in the Milky Way galaxy. And as far as we're able to observe with all the technology and the, the scientific minds of today, they're estimating that there are over 100 billion galaxies similar to our Milky Way in all of the universe. And that's just what we are able to observe. In all of that, God was not done. He wasn't finished. He wasn't finished. Hallelujah. In Genesis 1... Go to uh, verse 26, if you will. And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and, like them have, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created in His own image, the image of God created He, Him, Male and female created he them. God made mankind and he put them in the middle of a perfect garden. And all of the things that, that God had created, he put man in a small little garden. And his charge was that we tended it and that we kept it and we multiplied and we replenished the earth. That was it. There was no shame. It was perfect. There was no pain. There was no sin. There was no death. Hallelujah. But what did man do with it? We ruined it. 
We've ruined it. At the sin of Adam and Eve eating the forbidden fruit, all of this perfection, all the, the life that God had given them in perfection was, was crumpled up and thrown away and, and they separated themselves from God. Hallelujah, Jesus. They separated themselves from God and through that sin and death entered the world. Romans chapter 5 verse 12 says it this way, Wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. So through one choice, one sin, one mistake, one slip up, sin and death entered into the whole world. And we are all condemned. The Bible records that the wages of sin is death. We just read that. Through Adam's sin, he tainted the blood that flowed through his veins. And being the father of all mankind, that sinful nature was passed to all of us. All of us. The very first murder was recorded in the book of Genesis when Adam and Eve's children were involved in that murder. Cain killing his brother in a fit of jealous rage over an offering that they had made to the Lord. Hallelujah. Continuing on, the sin would eventually fill the whole earth until God had enough. He said, I can't take it anymore. And it repented God that He had made man. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, it says that God saw the wickedness, excuse me, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Continuing on, it says that it repented the Lord that he made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know it sounds doom and gloom. Just hang on to me for just a couple more minutes. Hallelujah. So the Lord had sent a flood. He sent the flood. We know the story that he had called Noah to build an ark and that he was going to wipe out everything. All of the, the stuff, all of the sin, all of the evil, all of the man that had filled the earth with the evil, uh, all of the, uh, the animals and the fishes, all of it that was not brought into the ark, everything. God was going to wipe it all out and he was going to start over with Noah and his family. But we all know because Noah was, through the lineage, one of the sons of Adam, as it were, that the sinful nature was still there. It was still in him. And throughout the generations of time, that sinful nature still pervades to this day. God's chosen people coming out of, in a long sort of way, coming out of Noah, even though they were God's people who had been given the law, who had been called by God to be His people, even they walked away from the Lord. They had been given unmitigated favor. Judgments came. And even though those judgments came, they would never fully turn their lives back over to the Lord. They would never fully submit. It's in our nature, church. It's in our nature to be 
sinful. It is in our nature to make mistakes. It is in our nature. We can't help it. We can't help it. Paul writes it this way in uh, chapter 7. I'll give you a second to turn there if you'd like. Romans chapter 7, verse 15. Paul starts to speak about the law, and he's, he uses an example of marriage and divorcement and whatnot to, uh, to kind of bring about his point. And he admits that the law is a good thing. It's a spiritual thing. But sin and death had used the law against man. Because of the law, the commandment coming, we became dead. So in starting in verse 15... And I apologize, I don't have the contemporary English version up here with me to make some sense. Sometimes Paul's, uh, Paul's writing can be a little bit confusing. I'll try to break it down for you. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do that which would not, excuse me, I would not, I consent unto the law that is good. Now then it is no more I that do it. But sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Hallelujah. For to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. So basically what Paul is writing here to the Roman church is that he knows what to do. But he, for whatever reason, he fails to do those things that he knows that he should be doing. And he knows better than to do certain things. But he can't help because out of his very nature, he can't help it, but he falls into doing those sorts of things. You know, it's funny, those of us that have children, um, (laughs) we're kind of familiar with this story. Uh, And I was just thinking the other day, kind of what gave me sort of that that direction there um, was having a a conversation, if you will, with my children. We're talking about some things that maybe they ought not be doing. And I asked the question, should you be doing that? Both of them. No. No. You know, and poor little Kaylin, you know, she's that four-year-old puppy dog eyes just crush you. No. Poor dad, you know. (laughs) And I asked them, what should they have done? Especially Timothy. You know, Timothy, what's the right answer? And he he proceeded to tell me what the right answer was. And I said, well, why didn't you do it? I don't know. But you know, it's funny. It's really funny. It is. But it, what hit me is as soon as I said that, those words rang loud in my head. I said to my kids, how many times do we have to have this conversation? And the Lord spoke to me and he said, how many times, Tim, do we have to have this conversation? Hallelujah. He smacked me in the head with a two by four and I got it. I got it. It made sense. It made sense. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But Paul, go ahead. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.
Paul is so torn up by what he knows to exist within himself. He says in verse 24, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body, excuse me, the body of this death? He knows, O wretched man that I am, O wretched man that I am. So if we can't help it, what's the point? What's the point? If God knew in all of His wisdom that we would never have it all together, if we would never get it the way that Paul, the man who was blinded on the road to Damascus, who persecuted the church, God Himself spoke and said, Why are you persecuting me? I don't know. Right? But he got the revelation. And God saved his soul. But why? Why? Why does he allow me to continue to walk on the face of the earth when he knows we have to have this conversation again, don't we? Right? The answer is so incredibly simple. Love. Love. When you think, when I think about God's creation, whether it's at 3 o'clock in the morning on the bridge of a submarine surrounded by nothing but the stars or I'm sitting in the woods in a tree stand hoping and hoping and hoping to get a deer. That never happens. (laughs) That's for Dan. Uh-huh. I think about God's creation when I'm looking at the beauty of the woods and I think about God's creation. It's simple to me. It's so very simple. He loves us, church. He loves us. Hallelujah. Send somebody just, hallelujah, just tell him that you love him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself. If you don't know me, here goes. I was born and raised in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, My mother and father um, were divorced when I was very young, and I was raised by my maternal grandparents. We, my brother and I, Max, uh, who is three years younger than I am, we grew up in a home that believed that God existed. We knew that He was there, and we knew that if we were good people, we were raised that if we did good to others, we tried to help people that we were going to be okay. We were going to make it. God couldn't help but see that, you know, we're human, and if we're doing good, we're, we're following the Ten Commandments. We don't kill anybody. We don't commit adultery, so on and so forth, that we're going to be all right. But that's not the way that it is. When I was 19, I decided that I had had enough of living at home, that I had enough of being under my grandmother's roof and I wanted to try to get out on my own and make a life for myself. And I joined the Navy. I enlisted much to uh, my grandmother's uh, unbelievable shock. I had joined the Navy and was on my way out. And I didn't have any really at- any attachments to Columbus, Ohio or my family or anything of that sort. And I, I joined the Navy. I went off on my own. It was... Thanksgiving time. It was November 7th of 2000, really, when I reported to Great Lakes, Illinois. But Thanksgiving time, Christmas time, New Year's, those were all kind of big, happy family times for us, and I was all by myself. 
And it's funny when you look back over your life how God uses things in your life to get your attention. He needed to get me by myself. He needed me to get away from everything that I had known, everything that I had found comfortable. He got me away. And there was a pretty little girl that I had kind of fallen in love with in uh, high school. We dated on and off, and uh, we weren't dating at the time. Um, much to my understanding, she had started going to church. There was a young lady that uh, we both knew, mutual friend of ours, that uh, her name is Aurelia, and uh, witnessed to this pretty little girl, and she got involved in church. And she was baptized in Jesus' name, received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And for whatever reason, she saw something in me. God knows what. But she started to send me little notes, little letters when I was in basic training. And she would incorporate a a verse, some scripture to try to give me some encouragement. She tried to explain sort of some of the things that had happened in her life, the changes that had taken place over her life. Uh, You know, tried to witness to me a little bit, give me a little pieces of her personal testimony. And I, I had finished basic training and reported to the uh, Nuclear Power Training Command in Charleston, South Carolina, and still wasn't going to church. But I was, I was hungry. I was starting to get a little hungry. You know, when you, you live for 19 years and you've never really eaten, you get a little hungry. Somebody says, hey, starts to taste a little good. starts to seem like that might be worth checking out. And she said... Go check out this church. You don't have to like it. You don't ever have to go back. But I want you to at least try it. So I went to this church. And from the moment that I walked in, I knew that it was different from any other church that I had ever walked into. I could feel something. I didn't know what it was. But I could feel something. It was different. It felt good. I called her up and I said, guess what? I liked it. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back. And it was uh, probably two weeks later that I went back. I, you know, went home to get my car and all this stuff, other things, whatever were more important. But I went and got my car and I went back the following weekend. And wouldn't you know it, there's a guest preacher there. His name is uh, Joey Rios. I don't know if you know him or not. He was a young man, Hispanic fella. And he preached on the gift of the Holy Ghost. And he preached on the necessity of being baptized in Jesus' name, which saved the, the little snippets that I was getting from this pretty little girl I had never heard before. And it made sense. It worked. It was black and white. And the engineer guy, the super nerd, loves the black and white and sometimes the red. And it made sense. It worked. And when you know it, here I am. I'm in my, my Cracker Jacks, as they call it, my service dress blue uniform that the enlisted folks still wear. And he said, how many in this place want to get the Holy Ghost? And I'm looking around. You know, I'd, I'd been in a Baptist church before, and I'd never seen anything like that before, where you're invited to participate in church. And I kind of saw a couple of hands go up. I'm looking around, and I said, well, Sure. Sure, this sounds good. This is all right. I like this. This is good. And boom, it hit me. 
It hit me like a lightning bolt. The next thing I knew, I was bent over the pew in front of me in my Cracker Jacks. Didn't matter what was going on. Didn't matter what I looked like. Hallelujah. But I was speaking in other tongues. Hallelujah. As the Spirit gave the utterance. Hallelujah, Jesus. I received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's not where the story ends, though. Hallelujah. I called up this pretty little girl and I said, Guess what? I got the Holy Ghost. She was excited. Started crying a little bit on the phone. And uh, I made arrangements about a week or two later to get home to Ohio because I wanted my whole family to see this. And the church that she had attended, I uh, made arrangements with her pastor and I was baptized in Jesus' name. It was April Fool's Day when I got the Holy Ghost and it was April 13th of the same year that I got baptized in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And I'm so very thankful for what the Lord did. Yes, but I'm also thankful that this pretty little girl loved my soul more than anything else. And I I was so thankful I had to marry her. (laughs) I had to marry her. And for 13 years we have been married. We have two beautiful children. And she's so supportive. God knows why. A naval career is a pain in the rear end. And I know that I'm no picnic either. But praise God. Praise God. I'm so thankful for God's love. I'm so thankful for God's love. Hallelujah. If you will, turn real quick to uh, Luke chapter 7, verse 41. Even put the tabs in my, my Bible because I was so worried about doing this right today. Now, Jesus had gone into a house to have supper, and a woman who was a sinner had come and she had taken down her hair, uh, which was absolutely forbidden in that time, in that, uh, that place. And she began to weep and cry and pour out her soul at the feet of Jesus and she washed his feet with her tears she broke an alabaster box and poured oil all over his feet in worship hallelujah hallelujah Jesus spoke to the folks in the room that were troubled by the fact that there was a sinner girl at the feet of Jesus touching him and he spoke in verse 41 there was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. And he asked the question, tell me therefore which of them will love him the most? Now, I don't know about you. I don't know how many folks in the building have been raised in church, but I wasn't. I spent 19 years coking and joking, as they say in the service, Romping and stomping, doing my own thing, living my own life, thinking that I was going to make it because I was a good person. I didn't hurt anybody and I wasn't mean to folks. I didn't kill anybody. I didn't commit adultery. I was okay. And then I realized who God was. I got the revelation of who Jesus was. 
Hallelujah. And the 19 years that I had spent, hallelujah, as a center boy, hallelujah, now in the Navy, comes flooding over me. And when I think about God's mercy, hallelujah, I believe it's mentioned 33 times in the book of Psalms, His mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. I am that I am by the grace of God, church. I stand before you, hallelujah, because of the grace of God, because He loved me, hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah. The woman might have been a little out of order, hallelujah. When I come up here and I sing and you all see me, and I get to shouting a little bit, and I get to jumping a little bit, hallelujah, and I get to saying some things sometimes, and probably, Brother John, God bless you for your patience, you say, shut up, Tim. But, hallelujah, I love the Lord. Hallelujah. I love Jesus. Hallelujah. I can't help it. I can't help it. But get a little out of order. Hallelujah. And tell Him that I love Him. Hallelujah. Send Him up some praise. Hallelujah. Jesus. Hallelujah. Psalm 122 and 1 says, I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus. I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord today. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. He loved us first. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In John 3.16 it said that God so loved the world. He loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever believeth on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Hallelujah, Jesus. He walked on the earth. He was tempted as we are. Hallelujah. He would drag His cross down the road to Calvary. Hallelujah. Where He bled and He died. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hebrews 12 and 2 says, Look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Hallelujah. Who for the joy set before Him endured the cross. Hallelujah, Jesus. John 15 says it like this, Greater love hath no man than this, that he should lay down his life for a friend. Hallelujah, Jesus. Though I was a sinner, church, and you can stand if you want. Hallelujah. And invite pastor to come back. Hallelujah. Though I was a sinner, he loved me. Though I make mistakes, and a million of them since I came to know who that Jesus was. Hallelujah. Over the 14 years that I've had the Holy Ghost, he loved me. Hallelujah. He wrapped himself in flesh, church, and he died for me on a cross. He was buried in the crown and rose three days later. Hallelujah. For me, He ascended into heaven. Hallelujah. And He sent the Holy Ghost, our comforter. Hallelujah. For me, Jesus, I've been washed. I've been purchased. I've been set free. Hallelujah. I've been made a new creature. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. My friends, I come to tell you today that it wasn't just for me. It wasn't just for me. It was for every single soul that is under the sound of my voice right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. That's why I get excited when a new soul comes into the church. Hallelujah. I see a backslider. Hallelujah. Praising God. Shaking off the junk of a life of mistakes. Hallelujah, Jesus. No matter what, I am persuaded, church. I am persuaded that nothing shall separate me from the love of God. Hallelujah. 
Send him up some praise, Jesus. Hallelujah.